really only have three, pro three problems in life. What your circumstances says, what your people, what people around you says, and what your, uh, what was the other one? Yes, that one. Amen. Are you ready for the Word of God? If you streamed with Pastor Harbaugh today, he, he almost preached my servant, sermon. In fact, I thought, i got to change and go a different direction to come into this, because it's going to sound like I'm, pre he's, I'm just preaching what he preached. Um, I have different scriptures, but uh, uh, they weave right in together. But I will say, I have been planning today's message for at least a month, probably maybe even a little bit more. And I'm going to start on, we're, we're coming into the, Christian, the Christmas season of the birth of Christ, and then, you know, around March, whenever it is this year, or next year, we'll come into the uh, crucifixion, resurrection. But there's, a, there's an element of the Bible. Uh, th th this is a Davidism. This, this is what I see and what I've come to a conclusion of. I could be wrong, and it's not everybody. I mean, it's going to be some people and some people not. But we know the name of Jesus has been given to us but we really don't know what it means or how to use it. Amen. Thank you, Peter. I appreciate that. <coughs> let, let me give you an example. I've been looking it up, and I can't, find an, I can't find where David, King David, Old Testament covenant, ever lost one battle. Now, he had that experience in Ziklag, where they came, they burned everything down, they stole the, the, all the people, you know, the wives, the children, everything like that. But he recovered all plus. So he just, he, he had a bad experience, but he didn't lose the battle. He won the battle. Some of his battles were very bloody and very difficult, but he, he prevailed. I haven't yet found, if you know of one, just come talk to me because I'm looking for a battle that he didn't win. Now, if David, under the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, never lost a battle, let's compare that to us in the New Testament. Have you and I ever lost a battle? Don't answer me. Just think about it. We should not lose battles. Amen. Like zero. When Joshua went into Jericho, when they were going in to, to obtain the promised land, they went into Jericho. God said, this is mine. Don't touch it. And God did all the work. They kept quiet, which that was a miracle. Whatever million of people that was there told them, don't speak a word as we walk around the... Uh, uh, the walls, wow, can you imagine telling people that today? <laughs> Keep your mouth shut. They would give you an answer to that. They wouldn't even stop there. They'd give you a reason why they, they don't have to. That they can, you know, well, don't I have something to say about this? Can't I get interject my opinion? Well, if people would have interject their opinion, had, you know, when Joshua told them, uh, don't say anything. Well, why can't we say anything? We've got to say in this. We're part of the, the, the people going into the promise. They wouldn't, they wouldn't have got the victory in Jericho. That's the way a lot of people don't get victories, too. Uh, their mouth kills their harvest. But we won't go into that today. And, um, but then they went to Ai because Achan sinned and he touched the tithe. God's always had a tithe. Jericho was a tithe. He said, this is mine. You don't touch it. Achan touched it. You know, got him a new wardrobe and some spending money and different things like that. They went into Ai and they lost the battle. They lost, I didn't look it up, I don't remember, it's like 26 or 33 men died in that battle. And Joshua 
ripped his clothes off, poured ashes on his head. and said, God, you sent us in here to get this and that we would take it. And, you know, God told him, he said, because there's sin in the house. Hmm. David never lost a battle. God shows us how this thing works. We lose battles. We struggle, we fight in life. Now, now the Bible says, I quoted it earlier, that we should have all sufficiency in all things, that we may abound to every good work. Most people cannot abound to every good work. Most people have to, can only chip into a good work. There, there's a difference between abounding to and chipping into. I remember Tammy and I were down at, uh, we like to look at houses, and we were down in Southern California someplace on the... Uh, um, Oceanside or something, somewhere down there, but it was beachfront. And there was these houses that were like right on the beach, the road and the water. And, uh, and then in the, the, you know, and I was talking about what these houses must cost. Uh, because, you know, it's in Southern California, so you know it's going to be expensive right there. It's got ocean view, like direct ocean view, 100% ocean view, nothing blocking it. So you know the price just tripled or quadrupled just because of that. And then in the, the driveway... There were $100,000 cars. And I I was sitting there looking at that. It's like, forget the house. I can't even buy the car. (laughs) That's not abounding. Now, I don't know if the person living in the house was a Christian or not. They may have been. But statistically speaking, probably not somebody pursuing uh, God, but pursuing wealth. But it's like, it really impacted me. It's like, God, we should reveal your glory. Now, my approach, let me give you my approach to the Bible. My approach to the Bible, because it's my approach to life, is what am I doing wrong? I I don't care about what I'm doing wrong, right. A lot of people, they just want platitudes for doing something right. But what I'm doing right is not hurting my life. What I'm doing wrong is say, well, pastor, that's a negative approach. I, I, I don't know, because in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, the seven letters to the seven churches, six of the churches, Jesus said, but I have this against you. We, are, we ought to be paying attention to the this against you. Because the this against you is not only something God has against us, but it's hindering us from walking in a better life. Now, as we're going to study over the next few weeks, and I'm going to start with why Jesus came into the earth, and I'm going to start with the, this arena, but I'm going to start talking about the name of Jesus. Because just because you say, in the name of Jesus, I command this, doesn't mean that anything's going to happen. And I'm going to show you. We're going to walk through, not today, but we're going to walk through the Bible, and I'm going to show you why I can say that. But there's a place where we can say, in the name of Jesus, and knees have to bow. And if we understand what we're doing, and I, I came across a, a video on YouTube, so I, I listened to it for a few minutes, and then thought it was stupid, so I, I moved on. And a person was talking, what caught my attention, because they were talking about in the name of Jesus. But it was, the whole thing was just about saying the name of Jesus. So if you don't understand why you're doing it, where's the power? Okay, guys, don't be quiet. All right. 
So I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. If you don't have a revelation of this, you're going to have a, a struggle walking in anything of God. We are living below what God has intended for us to live in. Because God has intended us to be sons and daughters. God has intended for us to be joint heirs with Christ. God owns everything in the earth. Psalms 24. The earth, the fullness thereof, all the people there. God, it's all God's. And most people are struggling to live. They're pushing forward. You know, you hear people talk about, you know, I, I take three steps forward and then get knocked back two steps. We should win every time. Now, taking the three step forwards may be difficult because it's a walk of faith, but we should never get knocked back too. There, there's a life of victory that God wants us to live. It's all, all within the book. It all comes because of the name of Jesus. And if I can understand it, I can live in this realm. So, so in this natural earth, you have this earth, but overlaid on this earth that is not visible to human eyes is a realm of the spirit. You and I have been given access to that. I've said it many times, a lot of people like to preach John chapter 3, Nicodemus coming to him to get born again, but he wasn't coming to get born again. He, he came to Jesus and said, we know that there are a, a, a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles. His question was about miracles, not about getting born again. He knew they were in, they were in the Old Testament, even though it's a New Testament scripture, because Jesus had not died, died and resurrected yet. We know that there are a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles except God be with them. And Jesus answered him, well, he didn't have a question, but he had a question of the heart. How are you walking in the power and authority? <clears throat> he also said in there, we know that there are a teacher come from God. He said, we, but there's only he that's standing there. And I, I've taught it many times. The Pharisees were having a problem because everybody was going to listen to Jesus. All the people that were dependent on them were no longer coming to them. They were going to the church down the street. Jesus, because Jesus had miracles. So they had to have their little powwow meeting, leadership meeting. Is how do we? How come he can do that? We can't do this. We're we're teachers, you know, of the law. We live by by every nth of a degree of the law. And Jesus said, "You can't tap into this, or you cannot see the kingdom of God, the spiritual realm of the operation of God, unless you're born of water and of spirit." So now we get into the born again process, but there's a lot of people that are born again, but they have no power. There's no miracles. The church, painting with a broad brush, the church is lacking miracles. We're lacking miracles. We should be upset that we don't see more miracles. And we have to ask ourselves why. Well, we proclaim the name of Jesus. We, we talk about all these things. We, we, Jesus answers our prayers when we, when we ask him for something. But we're not seeing miracles. We're not seeing the power to overcome. We're not seeing on the realm that we should be seeing. Because all the people went to see Jesus, who, by the way, was the firstborn of many brethren. You and I, or those that say they believe, are the many brethren. They went to see him because of all the miracles that he did. Go back to Isaiah chapter 6. They arise and shine for your light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen apart, uh, upon you. Grows darkness shall cover the earth you know, and the people. And then it goes on and talks about all the Gentiles shall come to the brightness of your rising. Then it talks about kings coming to the brightness of your rising. Translation, people are going to come to you and me if we walk in this thing right. 
because of the glory of God that's manifested, governments or those in authority, kings, will come to us seeking answers because of what's going right for us. And then over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says, uh, verse 7, that we have a treasure in this earthen vessel, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. You and I should live on a realm that God is seen and we're not seen. But what do we see in people, even Christians, even good Christians, even faithful Christians? Yakety yak. Got to get in people's business. Got to talk smack. Uh, I heard a, Dr. Mize uh, tell a story. I was listening to him and he was believing he was going on a mission trip. And uh, praise God, our mission trip is paid for. Thank everybody who sewed into that. Uh, so this is not about that. And uh, but he was getting ready to take a mission trip. This was back when uh, Jackie was still alive. And uh, he was taking one of his staff members with him. And so he's paying the cost of, of everything for the meeting and everything like that. And he's got a, a, a lady working in you know, a secretarial position or something like that. And uh, apparently they had been, you know, the money wasn't showing up. And uh, uh, apparently they had been talking about this trip ain't going to happen. And so one day, Dr. Martin was walking through the office and they were having this little discussion about, man, there's no money here. We're not going to be able to do this trip. This trip ain't going to happen. And he heard it and he walked in there and in a very, um, you know, it would be like one of those touchy feeling moments that people don't like because he was like very direct. He says, I'm, I'm going to tell you guys one time. I'm going to tell you this time. Next time, I won't say anything to you. If I ever hear you cursing this ministry again. Now, wait a minute. All they were talking about is there's not enough money to take the trip. But he heard they're cursing the ministry. Do you know how many Christians today curse the ministry? Because they talk, well, you know, I'll, I'll just throw it on me. You know, I don't know why we have to do such big missions. Problem. You know, we don't have that kind of money. And, and I don't know why we, that's not going to work. Or, no, I saw that coming. And, and, you know, their conversations are cursing the ministry. He said, if I ever hear you cursing the ministry like this again, you'll be fired without notice right there on the spot. Because he understood the power of the violation. They got themselves lined up. Oh, yeah, we didn't see we were doing that. Okay, you know, forgive us. We'll, we'll, we'll get this thing right. And a few days later, his phone rang. This was the landline, you know, back in the day of landlines, no cell phone. And he had his, his phone number enlisted. So the only people that had his phone number were people that he knew. And so uh, the phone rings, and he, he picks up, hello, you know, thinking it's a friend of his or something. And the uh, person on the other end says, is, uh, is this... Uh, uh, Terry Mizzy, and uh, he, so he thought it was somebody he knew, just joking around, yeah, this is Mizzy, what's up? And uh, he asked him another question, and after a couple of questions, he thought, oh, I don't know this, this is not somebody playing a trick. And uh, he says, uh, this is Terry Mize, can I help you with something? Well, well yeah, do you, do you like do missions? He said, yeah, I'm all about missions. Can I help you with something? He said, well, well me and my wife, we're down here at the Motel 6, and uh, we're both sick and we can't, we're passing through and we're just wondering if you would come and pray for us. He said, sure, I'll come and pray for you. So uh, he got Jackie, they went down to pray for him. And uh, um, they went down there and, you know, knocked on the door, whatnot, prayed, introduced themselves, ministered to him a little bit, prayed for him. He said, all right, well, bless you. And we're, we're going to keep believing you guys will be well. He said, well, here, I want to give you something. He said, no, you don't have to give me anything. He said, no, I want to give you something. And so uh, he handed him a check, and so, so Dr. Mice stuck it in his pocket. And um, he said, I want you to look at the check. He says, I don't have to look at the check. I, I, I'm thankful. Just, you know, um, I believe God's blessings upon it. He'll multiply it back to you and, and that you'll walk in. Here. He says, no, I want you to look at it. So he, he opened it up, and it was a uh, $10,000 check. He says, well, wow, praise God. He says, now that, that check, I know what you're thinking, because I'm staying here at the Motel 6. 
that I don't have that kind of money. And uh, this is back in the day when a Motel 6 was $6 for a room. And, uh, and he said, I was thinking this guy doesn't have money. Uh, you know, and so when I looked at that check, I, you know, I wondered. He says, you can take that down to the bank right now. It's as good as gold. He says, um, do you have some kind of uh, a missions thing coming up? He said, well, yeah, actually, as a matter of fact, I'm leaving uh, in like a week to, to go to this mission thing. And he says, well, that must be what God put on my heart. And uh, uh, so I'm going uh, you know, to take care of that trip. Well, this is the same story of the other people talking. God had an answer that was coming. But people were holding up the answer. And so, so there's a realm where the spirit works. And Dr. Mike, he said, can I ask you a question? He said, sure. He said, how'd you get my phone number? I just called. You, you old enough to remember 411? You know, information? I just called information and uh, asked for uh, Terry Mizzy. And uh, they gave me your number. And uh, he said, well, well, I can tell you God worked. Or this, now, he didn't tell him that. He said, okay, well, great. He walked out and he said, well, I knew God did a double miracle because my phone's unlisted. They don't have it. And two, uh, Mizzy wouldn't get him there. <laughs> but God had the answer. See, every time there's a need in our life, it's just an opportunity for God to meet it. But we look at needs as obstacles. And so, so what happens is, going back to what I've been saying, uh, uh, you notice I haven't opened my Bible yet. This is just kind of like flowing in me. Um, we're living below God's level. Jesus came and died that you and I might live at a higher level, but there are things blocking us. One of the big things is our mouth. Another story. Let me just give you another story. He uh, uh, was down in Mexico. He lived there for a long time. He was preaching, Dr. Mice. And uh, these people wanted to understand more. Uh, he had, been, he had ta- taught in a church and, uh, uh, on living to give, how the giving lifestyle would, would provide everything that you need. And uh, so there were some people that came into the service where, who were actually Catholic. They went to a local Catholic church right there. And they said, would you come to our house? And teach us how to do this? And he said, sure, I'd love to. So they got, it was like a family or some friends. They got, got and they'd come in every Thursday night. And so uh, the lady of the house who asked him said that, uh, Dr. Myers, I am going to, every Thursday night, I'm going to fix you dinner. He said, you don't have to do that. No, I want to. Well, I live in this town. I, I just live, you know, across town. And I got a family over there. Uh, I got a kitchen there. I got a refrigerator there. You don't have to make me a meal. No, I want to. And uh, so uh, every, every Thursday when he came and talked, she'd fix a meal. Sometimes his family would be with him. Sometimes guest ministers would be with him or whatever. And she would feed him and everything. And then this one time came where uh, they're sitting around eating and she just starts crying. And like everybody just kind of stops eating. Nobody wants to ask the question, why are you crying? And, uh, you know, just kind of see where it's going. And then uh, finally she starts slowing down. And she says, uh, uh, or he says to her, um, I don't know her name, but uh, whatever the, the name was, what's wrong? What's, why are you crying? She said, I, I'm just so thankful. She said, ever since I started fixing you dinner and you're gracious enough to stay at my house, she said, there were nights where my, my children went to bed hungry and they've never gone to bed hungry since I started doing this. He said, my husband had one pair of pants and now he has four. 
And the people of the city just gave my husband a promotion because they saw the change in our house. And, and they just decided he apparently knows things that can benefit us. And she started going through all the blessings of what God had done in the house because she gave a meal to a man. There's, there's a system here that does not make sense to the natural mind because we understand things naturally. And very few have stepped into it. So in this, in this series that I, my introduction is extremely long on, um, I want us to understand what this name of Jesus really means. Because there, there's a quoting it and there's a provoking it. You know, provoking might not be the right word, a, a declaration of it where you decree it over something. But you've got a basis of the decree. But we have to understand that. So let's go to uh, first, uh, um, uh, my first verse here. I think it's 1 Samuel. I got mine all covered up. 1 Samuel 17. Yeah. Thank you. First 17, uh, or chapter 17, verse 6. You might be saying, well, if you're going to teach on the name of Jesus, why in the world are we going to do the Old Testament? Jesus said in John uh, chapter 5, verse 39, that you guys think you have life because you studied the Old, Old Testament. I'm paraphrasing it, but it's talking about me. Amen. We're going to find everything about Jesus in the Old Testament. So in 1 Samuel 17, verse 26, it says, And David spake to the men that stood by him, this is at the Goliath time, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine? And taketh away the reproach from Israel, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now, let me, let me kind of New Testamentize this verse into our day, day and age. Number one, it says, And David spake to the men that stood by him. So who is he talking to? In New Testament terms, he's talking to the church. He's talking to fellow Christians. He's talking to Israel, the men of Israel that made up the army. They, they were the believers in God who chose fear. Do, do you know, as a believer, as part of the household of faith, you can choose fear in your life. Yeah. We have a choice. Everybody had, everybody had the same choice. David had the same choice. I could be afraid of Goliath or I could rely upon the word of God. Saul had the choice. I could be afraid of Goliath or I can rely on the word of God. All the army of Israel could, had a choice. They could be afraid of Goliath or they could um, rely, uh, rely upon the word of God. Probably part of it came because Saul, the leader, was afraid. They all became afraid. But anyway, they all chose fear. So this is who David is talking to, is his fellow believers. I'm making a point here. His fellow believers that live in fear. Y'all ought to be careful of who you get advice from. I don't want advice from somebody who hasn't learned how to overcome. Oh, but they're such a sweet Christian. Well, sweet ain't going to get you no, nothing except a, a cavity, probably. <laughs> okay, let's move on. What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? Now, I want you to see here two things. The promise motivated him. Now, it was not his responsibility. He's not in the army. He came in bringing the pizza, you know, dad sent him with bread and cheese. And uh, uh, he came to bring some food for his brothers. He walked into the, this thing and all of a sudden this big man comes up and starts smacking, talking smack. And all the people start, you know, and he's just kind of like, Goliath, where are y'all going? 2020 revealed this in the church. 
Where are you all going? It wasn't his responsibility. But he said here, what shall be done to the man? Because they were talking previously about, what was it? Uh, uh, he, he got a tax-exempt life. He got Saul's daughter. And there was something else. But anyway, there, there was a promise to the person who killed him. Wait, you say what? What happens to the man that kills him? And because in the promise, he was going to remove the reproach off of Israel. Do you understand there's a promise for every arena of our, our life? And in possessing the promises, we remove the reproach or we knock back darkness from operating in the world. Amen. The question that comes up to me, because uh, this is a David question, is why are we not motivated to do that? Why didn't one of the other Israelite army men, <clears throat> why didn't Saul step up and say, I'm going out to fight him? Because God said. Why was it only David? Why in modern times are we afraid to step, stand on the word of God if not for the re, re, knocking the reproach off the, the, the church, but for possessing the promise? Because the promises of God are far better than what you can produce for yourself. But, but we struggle with that. You've got to realize the struggle that we're in. Now, David spoke to the men, stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine? Taketh away the approach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Now, that right there is a covenant statement. He's going back to the Abrahamic covenant where God said, God instituted the circumcision as a mark or a sign of the covenant. I am in covenant with you, God. So when David was in there, see, when, when, let me, pre-David, when, when the army was there, they got afraid. <clears throat> what they saw was a, not just a big man, a huge man with a huge sword, with a huge shield, talking smack. When David walked in, what he saw was a person who did not have a covenant with God. There, there was no opportunity to get afraid. There was, there was not an opportunity of failure. Because remember, we went back, David never, now this is before he became king, and, and he did have some, some uh, skirmishes, but it, they were all after this point also. But David never lost. At this point, he only never lost to a bear and a lion. So when he looked at it, there was no thought process of, I can't beat this. We're in the Old Testament, the lesser covenant. Now, if we bring that down, why are we so, so inhibited to stand on the promises of God that will give us more than what we can get by our natural hand is because there, there's this element called fear that makes us think, what if it doesn't work? Mm -hmm. David had no thought, what if it doesn't work? Why did he have no thought? Why doesn't it work? Because he had a covenant. Who is this uncircumcised? I've got a covenant with God. He does not have a covenant of God. There is, no, there is no story you can tell where failure exists on my part. Okay, but we don't walk with God that. Why? Because we don't understand the name. 
So if you understand the name, which is our covenant, our covenant has a name. Now, his covenant had a name, too. There's a lot of, you know, all the Jehovah, uh, Rapha, Jehovah. You know, there's a whole bunch of names for God. He, he, he has a name, too. My God that will heal you. My God that will save you. My God that's your back ban- is your banner. My God that's your rear guard. My God. There all these names that said what God did, he had no fear in him. There, there was no possibility of an outcome that had failure written on it because he was a covenant person. Now, Jesus came that we might have a better covenant and the spirit of God might dwell within us. But we give room for fear. There is no fear in God, quoting the scripture here. Yet we operate in fear. Y'all that have control issues, it's fear. Y'all that get offended easily, it's fear. Fear operates in our life in various different ways. Fear is rooted in the preservation of self because it's derived from the fear of death. I've got to protect myself in whatever area. But God says, I will be your protector. And the reason is, even people that say, yeah, Jesus is Lord, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Uh, But they don't understand what the name of Jesus means. All right, so if we don't understand these three things, the promise, the moving, the reproach, the covenant, then when we declare the name of Jesus, we're going to struggle or wonder if what we prayed is really going to happen. God gave me, let me start with the first one. God gave me and you a promise to every situation that would come in our life. The promise should motivate us. God made a covenant that it would work. And God said that if I will possess the, uh, the promise, I will repel darkness. Mm-hmm. Most people are not too concerned. They're concerned on one level, but not concerned enough to stand against the darkness of the world because they think, well, who am I? Well, well David could have said, who am I? I'm younger than all these guys. I'm not as tall as all of them. I got red hair. I look different. Remember it said he was ready. That means he had red hair. But he didn't do that. He said, I'm a covenant person. It has to work for me. Now, we we extrapolate that over into the New Testament. What has to work with you in our covenant? Every promise that repels darkness. Right now, darkness. I I had this this thought, and uh, um, I shared it with family yesterday. Um, just kind of randomly thought about it. I guess I was thinking about, because we're going to start our revelation, I'm going to start teaching on eschatology uh, on Wednesday night. So if you're uh, interested, you want to make sure to be here. We're going to start on that. But I was thinking about this. And did you notice that if you study the book of Revelations and all the things that happens, now remember the tribulation period is God's anger being poured out. Okay, and the the angels are the angels of God pouring out the vials, doing all, all the different things. The heavens get all messed up. The uh, things fall out of them. You know, all kinds of weird things. The earth, famine is in the earth. You know, your groceries are, 
all that kind of stuff. There, there's stuff going on on that. The waters, they turn to blood. Things within them die and all that kind of stuff. And if you look at the approach of men, it's a religion really, uh, the green religion. It's about saving the planet, about making the air clean. God's going God's to reveal you have no control over this. How, how they're trying to make sure we have enough food to feed a population. God's going to show you're not dependent. I, I'm in charge of this whole thing. Amen. You're trying to, to keep the waters in the ocean and not use it for, for food. And you're using it to manipulate or whatever. And you're going to show, I'll kill everything in the ocean. I thought it was an amazing thought. The anger of God. We don't even see the things that we're doing. We, you know, there's really, in that context, there's only two fools in the earth. One who thinks he can destroy the planet and one who thinks he can save the planet. Amen. So Goliath was a violation of all things God had done. He defied the God of Israel. Now, there's things going on in our lives that are defying what God has said. So let's just take money. God has said, you'll have all sufficiency in all things that you may abound to every good word. But the world says, Goliath says, you're not going to have enough money to survive. Are you going to live in fear? Or do you understand what God has provided? See, and I could go down the list and list many things. Now, who was David? David was the person that said, I'll stand against that which is standing against what God has said. You, you can't do this. Romans 12, 2, I've been quoting. That we may prove what is the good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. You and I are called, or here we have to prove that God's word is true. That it will work. But see, when people get sick, they just run to a doctor. They don't even, most people don't even try to resist it and stand and, and see the Word of God manifested because that would be uncomfortable. I can go down there today and then I can run over to Costco and get me a, a prescription. And it'll only cost me, you know, $25 to copay at the doctor and the copay at the, the medicine or something like that. And I can feel better by 6 o'clock tonight. Of course, your left arm's going to fall off. But, you know, hey, that's another story. See, do, do you have, see, in this, which I started on with that, that end song, see, if I really believe that, I walk in the favor of God. His face shines on me. His favor surrounds me. It does not matter what I encounter because every problem or every situation is just an opportunity for God to reveal himself. But if I'm afraid, now a whole different dimension comes in. When Daniel stood and proved the word of God and was, was faced with lions, it was just an opportunity for God to reveal himself. And the king came. Do you remember what the king came? Oh, Daniel, has the God that you served preserved you? Yeah, no problem, king. I'm still down here. I slept right up with him. It was a little chilly last night, but they put off some good body heat. I added that part if you haven't read the story. See, the same thing, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego standing there. God, or King, we can't bow to you. I will throw you in the fiery furnace. You know, God's able to deliver us, but if he doesn't, we're still going to stand with God. Heat the fiery furnace seven times hotter. What difference does that make? 
A fiery furnace is going to kill you no matter what. In fact, actually, that was more gracious because you're going to die faster. Even the guard that opened the door, he fell over dead. Didn't have to get burned. Just killed him right there. It's just an opportunity for God to reveal himself. See, we're, we're approaching this life incorrectly on a lot of things is because we're looking at how much money we have instead of how much money God has. We're, we're looking at how we feel instead of how God said we should feel. We're getting anxious and nervous and worrying about things that God said, don't do that, I've taken care of everything. There's a level that you and I should be living on that if we understand the real depth of the name of Jesus that you and I can walk in. Now let's go back to David because of the reward and the removing of the reproach. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And he that cometh to him must believe that he is and that he is a... Oh, wait a minute. The reward is what caused David to move. Amen. He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So, we've got to come to this place where we stop bowing our knees to darkness. To where we can look death in the face and know that life is more powerful than death. And we can look lack in the face and know that abundance is greater than lack. That we can look things that look worrisome, anxious, you know, or whatever, and know that peace is more powerful than them. Okay, look at verse 45. Then David said to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a shield. Now analyze that. You come to me with natural weapons of warfare. Could be a court case. Could be a police action. Could be a uh, uh, they just said, what state was it? I think it was New York. They now have a law in place where, where they can mandate you into a quarantine just based on what they think. Okay, so what, do you, what, what does the Christian do? Just bow their knee to darkness? You come to me with natural weapons of warfare, but I come to you in the name of of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. So David understood that the name covered the covenant. So we have a covenant and the covenant has a name. It's Jesus. And I can live in covenant with that name. And if I understand that I'm in covenant with that name, that name will work for me. Now, I've told the story many times that when I was in finance and making loans, I could, I could write a loan as large as I wanted to. I, didn't, I, never, I never once looked at my bank account. $50,000, $100,000, I'd just sign the check, give it to a person. I had that authority. Didn't have to worry about what was in the account. Because they gave me that authority. They had a sweep system every night. Uh, they just brought my, my balance back up. I think it was $1,000. They brought my balance back up to 1000 a night. So they would put money in there if it was be below it. And if I had more money than $1,000, they'd take it out. 
didn't matter what I did. I could write as many checks as I wanted to. My checks covered. Then I gave a two-week notice. You know what the first thing they did was? They took that away from me. Because they didn't want David to be tempted with writing any check he wanted to. See, in him, in that name, that's called the name a check. In that, in that name, I can write any check that's in alignment with the will of God. It'll affect my body. It'll affect my economics. It'll affect my, my peace level. It'll affect what's going on. But most people don't believe they can do that. I didn't ever come to work and, and sit there for my first 30 minutes with a cup of coffee saying, I wonder if my check writing ability is going to be good. I knew it's good. It's Fortune 500 company. I knew it was good. When I, I gave the two week notice and they sent me a letter, I didn't wonder if my, my name was good. I knew it wasn't. They said, have so-and-so. We give them the check to so-and-so and, -so and uh, it's, it's away from you. Now I knew I couldn't write a check. Most people live in the realm where they don't know if they can write the check or not. But it's not about anything other than the name. David didn't look. In fact, when Saul tried to put the, the, the armor on him, he says, I've never, I can't find this stuff. I don't, I don't even know how to use it. It wasn't that he had to have the skill set. He says, I come to you in the name. But he knew what the name meant. And so when he said that he came in the name, he, he, he invoked, proclaimed the outcome of the circumstance. Now, now you got to think about it for a moment. It, when David was running out there provoking the name of Jesus, Goliath didn't look at him and say, oh my goodness, have a heart attack and fall over. That didn't happen. That's not the story. He came toward David mocking him with his sword swinging. And David didn't care because he had already determined the outcome. It got bloody. David took his, his slingshot, whew, miracle of God, hit in the, the helmet just on the spot where there was an opening, killed him. He fell over dead. In fact, when David was running toward him, what was David's armament? A staff and a sling, right? He says, I will cut your head off. Wait a minute. You can't cut a head off with a sling. Nor can you beat a head off with a staff. But he jumped up on top of David. He pulled out his own sword. He cut his head off. And then he took the head back to Saul. Seeing you hanging out, blood hanging out, eyeballs all cross-eyed. I told you this is what was going to happen. Why? He knew he could write the check. Because he understood his covenant. All right. We got through. One verse, and I have like five or six, but we're out of time. Let's stand. A lot of people are trying to get the promises of God into their, to their life, but they don't know how to do it. They're waiting for Jesus to bring them, but he's already given them to us. He's given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. It's already been given to you, and people are waiting for God to do something. Well, well I, I, I asked Jesus about it. I'm just waiting. Quit waiting. Start doing Start being what he said you are. All it takes is faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. So if we're trying to get what Jesus paid the price for without faith, how pleasing is that? 
Okay, if it's without faith it's impossible to please him, then how much faith is pleasing to him? Well, any amount, right? So if you come with this much faith, you're going to have this much pleasing, right? Mm-hmm. If you have this much place, you're going to have this much pleasing. So when do you think God would say, David, stop doing all this faith stuff. I'm running out of pleasing. <laughs> no. In Ephesians 3.20, he says, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask or think according to the power that works in me. So I should be getting my imagination. I should be getting and working on myself to believe for more in faith so that I'm pleasing to to God, because God said that uh, without faith it's impossible to please him, but he that cometh to God, we're all coming to God asking for things, and believeth that he is. Now, that is not a statement of that he exists, because you would never go to God if he doesn't exist, or if you don't believe he existed. That you believe that he is who he said he is. So if I need healing in my body, if I need money in my bank account, if I need something to change in my life, and I seek God for the answer based on what he's given to me, that number one, by faith, it's pleasing to God. Number two, I have to believe he is the one that can provide that, that he is the healer, that he is the provider, that he is my peace, that he is my, my, my rear guard, that he is my protector. And that he is a rewarder. Now, if I've got lack in my life, you know, I went to God for an economic issue and I've got lack in my my life and I went to God and I believed God and I know that he is my provider and I know that he is a rewarder and he, I don't know, gives me something else besides the lack. Is that a reward? No, it's like I didn't need that. The reward I need is what I petitioned you for. So, so it's not a matter of, I wonder if he will. If you can find that he will, that he gave it to you, you know he will. I, I, I saw somebody on Facebook, somebody that I know. Um, you know, they're, they're going through a real uh, physical battle. We just want the will of God to be done. I, I'm like yelling at my screen, read the Bible. By his stripes you're healed. His will is that you're healed. Nobody's, you're not glorifying God being sick and posting all your sickness issues online. That he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So instead of seeking social media and the sympathy that you get from everybody that feels sorry for it, won't you seek him and what he can provide? Hallelujah, this is a good word. But now comes the end of the service, and you have to do something with what we talked about. Remember how I preface it. I don't look at my life and what I'm doing right. I'm doing some things right. I'm also doing some things wrong because I'm not getting the answer that I'm I'm believing for. Now, it could just be I haven't walked into it yet. Could be that I'm messing something up. So I I continue pressing in faith on how I know how to do it, saying God revealed to me if if I'm doing, if I'm out of line on something so that I can fix it, I'll fix it. But I'm going to walk in this because he will give whatsoever we ask. Now, the other problem we have, we've probably all done it. You know, we put something in the microwave, put it for 30 seconds. We're like, come on, come on. Hurry up, you know. You're taking too long to get the 30 seconds. And we have that when we pray. We want to pray. We want to say and manifest. Right? Wouldn't that be a cool system? Say and manifest. No. It would be a horrible sentence because most of what Christians say, you don't want the manifestation of it, yet you say it anyway. All right, so for the next few weeks, I haven't even got into why Jesus came. 
that I've been laying a foundation here. I'm going to be talking about the name of Jesus. For the next long few weeks, I'm going to be talking on Wednesdays on eschatology, on the times that we're living in. Do they go together? Absolutely, because the Bible in eschatology, the study of end times, says what's coming upon the earth. And if you don't know how to stand in the name of Jesus, you're not prepared to hit the things that are going to come against the earth. And we've got to be prepared. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, it's something, God, that, that's more challenging than what people think. To walk in this thing really does require something of us. There's things we have to deal with in our heart and within our mind to be settled on you. And Lord, I ask God that you would, that you would help us identify, Lord, the things that are not aligning correctly with your word so that we can experience everything of the word. Lord, we're living in serious times, but God, you've taken care of it. It's a glorious time for the church, for those who really know how to walk in the power of this Lord Jesus. But God, open our eyes and our understanding. Help us, God, to have a hunger to find what you're, what you're trying to do. Lord, that we can overcome. Give us, help us, Lord Jesus, to develop the attitude that David had, that he, he didn't even give consideration to failure. We've, we've got to move into this. We've got to be so convinced that the name of our covenant, the name of Jesus, has secured the outcome of every situation that we're not going to be moved by what we see happening. We're not going to be moved by what we feel in our body. We're not going to be moved by anything except by your word and our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have a, a special need you need to pray for, if you've never given your life to Jesus, I tell you what, get it right. We're not guaranteed any hours upon this earth. And you need to make sure you're ready. For Jesus. The elders are up front. If you'd like prayer, come up and they will pray with you. And uh, we will see you tomorrow at 10 o'clock on our live stream.